I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Utah Weekly Forum, a public affairs show dedicated to learning more about the issues affecting our lives and health and exploring the resources available in our diverse communities to help. Here's your host, Rebecca Cressman. Well, welcome. You know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and so we decided let's have more conversations about mental health. And joining us today is Dr. Jason Hunziker. He's the Division Chief at Huntsman Mental Health Institute over adult psychiatry. Dr. Hunziker, thank you so much for being here today. You bet. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's talk about why is it so important that we have mental health awareness months or days that we talk about mental health? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I mean, mental health affects us all, right? I mean, it, this, this mental health includes, you know, our emotions, our, our psychological and social well-being, uh, impacts of our thoughts and our feelings and our behaviors, uh, these conditions that we talk about um, during this month and always, for me, um, are prevalent worldwide, and uh, they can impact anyone. It doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter your gender, your ethnicity, your socioeconomic status. This, um, these things can uh, come out and, uh, a- a- at any time and um, impact life uh, as we know it. I love that you also underlined or underscored, it can happen to anyone. And I think from years and generations past, just to even have a label that someone is experiencing a mental mental health illness, it made them feel broken and Mm -hmm. and it was a scary terminology for them. So how are we doing now with accepting that just like our body gets physically ill, our mind can get physically ill and that we should be uh, less fearful of what that means? Yeah, I, I mean, I would like to say that we are where we should be. Um, but I will also say that we are much better than when I started doing this 20 plus years ago. I think people are feeling more comfortable just having a conversation about it uh, with their peers, with their families, with their friends, um, and it makes it easier for them to then get the help that they need. But stigma is still a gigantic problem uh, in this country about mental health. Um, and if we could if we could find a way to stamp that out completely, I think life for society, frankly, would be much better. Especially, you know, we as humans, it appears to me that we don't do well when we're afraid. That's right. And and so we don't make the best decisions for ourselves or for others when we're yeah. in a state of fear or, right. or anxiety. So to me, if we can lower that barrier to normalize it, to say it's it's normal in some time of our life to experience mental health illnesses or episodes that we are feeling more fragile, that means that we've lowered that obstacle and makes it easier for someone to reach out and get help. And is that correct? That I, I agree. And I I I think that this should be just as easy to talk about as, hey, I had COVID or, hey, I had the flu or I got in an automobile accident and broke my leg. I mean, those types of things we don't question people on, but we do question these others. And that's just the way society has been for a long time. 
But I do think we are making headway. I mean, I think we see more people coming out publicly and saying, this is why I, this is why I couldn't perform the way I wanted to, or this is what was going on with me, um, and this is what I'm doing to help fix it. And, uh, and th- that's what we need. We need people to keep, keep making those, those kind of uh, statements so that just becomes a common thing that we just talk about and, and without any judgment or fear. Um, and, and I hope that that's what we're trying to do here at Huntsman Mental Health by, you know, educating people and promoting this idea that, that um, mental health is a part of us in our society and we need to, to have compassion and understanding uh, for individuals who struggle uh, so that we can um, help them stand up and, and feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. Help others have compassion for others and have compassion for ourselves. Exactly. Uh, right? When we're experiencing that. This exactly. is Jason Hunziker. He is the chief of adult psychiatry. Psychiatry. Why can't I pronounce that name today? I apologize. <laughs> That's all right. With Huntsman Mental Health Institute. And is uh, mental health illness, is that like other illnesses where the earlier we seek out help, the greater relief and healing we experience. I, yes, I would agree with that. Um, I think if you have a problem and you recognize that this is not the way you would normally function, you should go see someone and say, hey, I feel like something's off. And if we can get that done sooner rather than later, it could stop some very serious potential consequences of, of these illnesses um, and get, get you or keep you in your life rather than derail you for a moment while that gets addressed more acutely. Um, and then, you know, staying on treatment, of course, helps us keep it all under control, just like any other medical problem. All right. Let's talk about the medical problem of depression, which is one part yep. of our mental health and um, could be a disorder, could be a, an episode. How common is depression in our country? Oh, wow. It's super common. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's fascinating to me when I, have, uh, when I see people who come in and talk about depression and how they feel so alone, and then they realize, boy, I mentioned it, and five of my neighbors also have struggled with depression. Um, and, and so we, we know that it's, it's a common thing. I think uh, the National Institute of Mental Health uh, in 2017 estimated that 17 million adults in the United States um, had at least one major depressive episode during that year of mm-hmm. 2017. Um, that's like 7% wow. of, of adults in the U.S. in that year alone. And with COVID, I mean, I think that that went up. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing the effects of that three years that we spent um, with our whole, everybody's life changed during that time. And uh, I think we saw a spike uh, in mental health, but in depression uh, and anxiety during that time as well. Jason, please correct me if I'm wrong. I think I read some research that said those who were already experiencing isolation and depression or anxiety before the epidemic, they were the most profoundly affected. Yes. Is that right? But I also think that, that people who did not had not even had an episode of depression sure. before. We saw a lot of people who had never experienced depression or anxiety have it, and that was even more challenging because they had no 
idea what they were experiencing. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. And um, and I, I think that that led to this, what, you know, is referred to often as the second pandemic, mm. which is the mental health crisis that followed. Um, very, very real. And I was thinking about these new experiences that were thrust upon us that, yep. that drove um, it drove alienation between people. Mm-hmm. It, it, it rose up fear. All of a sudden yep. there's new responsibilities, parents having to educate their children, not just work. Yep. And what will happen to my children at this time? And it, it was yep. a, a very emotional time. So I'm very appreciative Definitely. that you would share uh, that it affected um, everyone, everyone. Uh, in, in, in major ways. Let's talk about how we would identify whether a family member or a loved one or a friend is dealing with depression, depression versus just being sad for a, a few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we when we evaluate, so when I say we, mm-hmm. people who are in the medical field or are, are a mental health professional or you know therapist, crisis worker, um, we we try to look at this um, these criteria uh, that help us decide. Does this episode meet the level of a depression? And so it's normal for us every day to have ups and downs in our mood. We have times of sadness. We have times of, of sadness that last longer than we would want it, want it to. But there are, um, if their sadness is lasting longer than 14 days, that becomes um, – a problem. And when I say sadness, I don't just mean, oh, I'm, you know, blue. I mean, you're persistently sad. You start to feel hopeless. You start to feel emptiness. Uh, You lose pleasure or interest in those things that you used to love to do. Um, Sometimes you don't eat at all, or sometimes you eat more. Uh, Your sleep gets really thrown. Um, You either sleep too much or you don't sleep enough. Uh, And even if you are sleeping, it's really restless and you don't feel rested. Um, you don't have energy or motivation. You, you have problems with concentration, making decisions, remembering things, being irritable. And then, of course, what we hear about a lot is, is this idea that it moves to uh, thought hurting yourself or killing yourself. And so those are the signs that if you start to see a family member isolating more or crying for, for reasons that, that really can't be identified or uh, they, they start uh, back all these things that they love to do, those kind of things, I would, I would really be encouraging people to get in uh, to seek some professional help and evaluation. If you just tuned in, we're lucky enough to be talking with Dr. Jason Hunziker. He's an associate professor at uh, the University of Utah, I should say, and with the Huntsman Mental Health Institute, he's the division chief of adult uh, psychiatry. Am I correct with associate professor at the that's University correct. of Utah? Okay, yep, that's correct. Yep. great. And we are talking about mental health and what we can do this month and every month of the year to raise our awareness of how to take care of our own mental health and others around us. So you mentioned some factors that were pretty um, pretty dramatic, seeing changes in their appetite or weight, yep. their difficulty in sleeping, that yep. withdrawal, no longer wanting to go uh, to gatherings, not wanting to get together with people that they typically might have done before, changes in their mood. What do we do when we see that? What is the first step? Would it be talking to our loved one or what what do you recommend? It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. 
find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes, I think that's perfect. I think that is where we should always begin with this, is, is just point out, hey, what, what's going on? I, I've noticed this. And we try to do that in a way that's not judgmental. We don't want to, um, to throw our on them right away. We want to listen to what they have to say so that we can then make the, um, the next recommendation or encourage them to consider uh, getting some help. And uh, sometimes just talking about these things, they realize that they, their support is different than they thought it was, and that allows them to open to a point that they will want to go in and uh, and overcome that fear that people have about sharing information to a doctor. Um, they'll want to go in and get some help. And depression really seems to attra- um, attack someone's self-worth. So it affects the way that they think that person really doesn't love mm-hmm. me or my life doesn't hold that much value to them. And yep. it would be better if I wasn't here to That's weigh correct. upon them. So the depression is sending incorrect thoughts mm-hmm. and conclusions. And so to me, I look at that conversation as an intervention, a correction, yep. right? That's right. That's right. And and you are exactly right. I mean, depression is an illness that attacks the um, the most powerful organ in your body. I mean, it's it's your brain that controls everything that your body does, including the way you think and see the world. And so it lies about everything. It tells you that the world really is dark and that there is no hope. It tells you that people around you don't care and that they really would be happier if you were just gone. And and that we know is a lie because that is not what we feel about the people we love and and even those people that are our neighbors that that maybe we uh, that that we just are familiar with but don't uh, have a big strong relationship because people care about people and and that's what we need that's the message that we send when we say hey how are you really doing um, how you, you, I've seen that you seem a little off can we can we talk about that and is that something that I can help you with. And that goes a ton. I mean, that would save somebody's life, mm. um, potentially. It seems like there's an awful lot that our teens are going through, and they were affected yep. pretty profoundly by the COVID epidemic as well. And you've had yep. the social media that seems to kind of magnetize or oh, yeah. multiply over and over some of their in- intense uh, worries um, yep. as, as teens. What do we do? What do you recommend yeah. as, for us parents if we're worried yep. about our teens who might be struggling? Yeah, this this is a tough one too because you're right. I think I, I felt so bad for our, our kids during this time uh, of COVID because they it was just so stressful. And of course, none of us thought we'd ever live through a pandemic. And and so trying to figure out how to do that was it was was a challenge. But I think the same thing. I think we we open up a conversation. We say, hey, you know, here is what I've noticed. This is different. I want to tell you why I'm concerned about that. And and let and then you let them know. Hey, I I, I want to hear you. I want to listen, and I'm not going to judge you. I, I want to be um, the person that you can come to and tell me when things are a struggle. And then you got to validate them, right? They're going to tell you things, and even if it's something you don't really understand, you can say, I see. I see where that would be terrible. I see where that would experience would be overwhelming. And I want to support you in those feelings so that I can get you some help, 
let's go see somebody and, and somebody that can offer you that um, that that information, that education that could be the thing that helps you pull out of this. Um, and then, of course, not not waiting for your kid to come talk to you about things, but really be proactive about it um, and reach out first and then help them seek out the resources um, so that they don't feel uh, that that they have to do this, that this is something that that, that you as a team will do. Um, and then some other things I think that are important is, is that you want to create a supportive environment in your home so that it feels safe to share those psychological things and those stressors with uh, their, their parents. And, and you want to encourage them to engage in behaviors in this safe space like healthy eating and exercise and sleep and, and then setting realistic expectations uh, for our kids so that they don't, that doesn't add to, that doesn't mean they don't have expectations, but, but realistic expectations for where they are at that time and at that moment. Mm, how powerful that is, especially as you were saying, don't wait for our teens to come to us. Yep. That whether or not they are symptomatic, showing some kind of change in behavior or not, that they are teens and they don't have the same conversation or communication skills we might have as adults. We hope that we've developed over time as adults. So this yep. is a way of opening up that gate for them yeah. because they might not have the way, know how to bring up the intense feelings they're feeling at that time. That's, and, and, you know, one more thing I just wanted to point out with this, with, especially with kids, you know, parents can get overwhelmed too when yes. we see our kids suffering and we want to fix it. We, we want to be able to do it, but sometimes we just don't know how. I think that's a good moment to, to go get some help yourself. And there are people out there, there are, are therapists that can help you help your loved one with their, uh, their struggles. And this will often model the behavior that you hope that your kids will follow and that it's okay to get help. It's okay when you're feeling bad to seek that uh, additional support. Um, and so it does offer up an opportunity for, for parents to model the behavior we want to see in our children, but also to get the support that parents need as they're helping their children through these struggles. Many of us have never experienced therapy before. And and so it's a new frontier. Uh, It's different than what we might traditionally expect going to a primary care physician's uh, office. Talk to us about the very real benefits of therapy for whatever mental health uh, experience or challenge we might be facing. Definitely. Yeah, therapy is is challenging. I remember in in, uh, training, we had to do our own therapy. So uh, it was hard to understand what to expect. But really, you walk into an office and you sit down on a chair or a couch or something and you have a conversation. That's it. It's, it's really that simple. They ask you questions about you and, and then they, they start to formulate with you a plan that helps you understand you better. Uh, and those things that they do for you can help with your mental health. I mean, that's what it's there for. They, they, they do this by providing this safe space where you can discuss all of your emotional and, and mental health challenges and then come up with real solutions that will impact your life. You become more self-aware of the things that are going on with you, and so you feel um, more in control because you understand how your feelings and your behaviors are impacting your life, 
which then gives us that sense of, uh, of control. Um, and, of course, when we feel control, our anxiety diminishes and, and our mood feels better. Uh, we learn coping skills. We, learn, we have better relationship skills. Um, all of these things happen when you go to therapy. Um, and it isn't easy, but it is definitely worth the time uh, because it, uh, it, it can be beneficial. Um, and, of course, just like anything else, any other treatment we do, it isn't a you know, one-size-fits-all kind of thing. Uh, there are different modalities that can be utilized for the different issues that we're dealing with. But I think therapy is beneficial for everybody. Mm, I, I love that. I know we only have about four minutes left with you. Uh, this is Jason Hunziker, Dr. Jason Hunziker, who is the Division Chief of Adult Psychiatry at Huntsman Mental Health Institute. I just want to tap in. If we wanted to take extra care of ourselves and in ways that would help our mental health, we know that therapy is important. What are some other self-care recommendations you can give to us so we are just better at taking care of every part? of who we are. Definitely, definitely. I, I think that the one thing we've, we've mentioned a lot today is, uh, is interaction with people. I think that if we are more socially interactive, if we communicate with each other, um, we feel better because we feel like we're not alone in all of these challenges and none of us should have to worry about anything alone. And if we can, if we can communicate, I think we do better. Uh, but other things that other that we can do, exercise, of course, we hear about that all of the time, healthy eating, uh, incorporating more fruits and vegetables, um, and trying to stay away from the processed foods. I think that helps us feel better. Uh, finding that thing that gives you that moment of peace where, you know, some people do yoga, some people do meditation, but kind of a mindfulness exercise. Uh, for me, it's karaoke. I, I love to do that. <laughs> it helps feel better. I, yeah. I just... I feel better after, after I spend 15 minutes doing that. Uh, spending time outside. I think there's lots of new uh, research coming out about just being in nature and how you feel connected to those things around you. And you can see the beauty in the things that go on in nature, and that helps you feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, just the other day, I, I go on walks along the trail for my own mental and physical health. And I stopped with a friend of mine who had lost a son recently who had passed away. And I said, look at that little tree and its roots just holding on <laughs> and leaning this way. And I just thought sometimes when I look at nature, I'm inspired just by that. Exactly. That there are some times in our life where we just put our roots in and <clears throat> and lean towards what heals us and I agree. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Now, before I let you go, for those who are thinking, okay, therapy would be very helpful, or I need more information about the types of therapy or, or ways to take care of my family's mental health, where can we get help, Dr. Hunziker? Yep. So, of course, here at HMHI, we would love to help everyone. So if you, if you need some information, if you need some help, you can call us, 801-583-2500. You can also visit our website at hmhi.utah.edu. All of that will give you a lot of information. But if you feel safe with your primary care doctor or your pediatrician, please see them as well. They will get you started and then can get you referred. And, again, you can always use our resources um, if you're suicidal or unsafe. I think it's really important to know that picking up the phone and dialing 988, super easy, uh, somebody will answer, and they will give you some guidance and help you. 
uh, if you're in the Salt Lake area, we, we have mobile crisis teams uh, that can help, and we have a, a SafeUT app that you can download. We should get our teens to download that on their phone. So if they get into trouble, they can start texting a, a crisis. Yeah, weapon. what's wonderful about that is whether you're texting 988 or a teen is te- texting in the Safe UT app, there is someone on the other side who answers back. Exactly. And, and says, and here are your local connections to help you get more help. I, yep, that's that's exactly it. And that takes us out of that isolation. Jason Hunziker with the Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation about ways and uh, motivations to take care of our mental health during Mental Health Awareness Month. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Utah Weekly Forum is produced by KSFI FM 100.3 in Salt Lake City, a Bonneville International Station. Subscribe to the Utah Weekly Forum podcast online and email us at Rebecca at FM100.com. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.